and then pray and encourage one another to put it into practice. So I, I don't have a lot of new things to say, right? This is, uh, as I was thinking about it, it's a little bit like trying to write a message for Christmas. What do you say about Christmas? There's already been thousands of messages about Christmas. It's hard to find a new thing to say. And generosity is a little bit the same. I mean, lots and lots of really good messages about, about generosity and how that's supposed to move through our life. Um, but in, in this particular one, I hope, I hope um, I'm going to play a video here in a second. And, and I have two of them to, to play today that are part of this, of this curriculum. And you'll just hear some different uh, men, different pastors uh, from the UK and Australia. So they do have really great accents, which is maybe a different thing than what you've heard before in terms of messages of generosity. Uh, we haven't had any great accents here. Um, but, but I hope that it, it again, that, that God just takes something from it uh, and, and puts it in each of our hearts. So I'm going to start us off with the introduction video. So this is the 1A. You know, and anybody in trouble or need, try and help them as much as you can. Doing things for other people that you don't get like a reward for. Giving to someone or in any shape or form, not necessarily money. I think when you don't put yourself first and you give, even if you don't have much. When, when I say the word generosity or being generous, is someone who pops into your mind. I think of the key philanthropists of, of my country, you know, I think of the, the big names and the big organisations that give back. I, I guess at the sort of global level of Bill Gates, but he's got an awful lot to be generous with. Uh, I would think of my father. He pretty much stops at every person sitting down on the sidewalk and uh, either gives them food or gives them money or if he doesn't have money at this time, just plastic, just gives them a smile. I think of religious people and, um, uh, yeah, you know, that, that sort of, that's historically where a lot of charity and generosities come from. Hello, I'm Tony Payne and welcome to the Generosity Project. Over the six parts of this project, we're going to be looking at what generosity really is, at what motivates and increases it, at what shrivels and kills it, at what generosity looks like in different facets of our lives as God's people. But most importantly, we're not going to be just learning about generosity. We want to seek to become more radically generous people in our families, in our communities, in our churches and in the world. And to do all this, we're going to hear from some leading Bible teachers on the subject. We're going to hear the stories of people who've grappled with what it means to be generous. We're going to reflect on all this. And of course, we're going to dig into God's life-giving word, the Bible.
ambition as we can to the people of Europe to bring about fundamental change all over Europe. It's I used to be blind. Now I can see. Okay. And what I see, you cannot see. So when you are blinded, oh, no. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. In response, Jesus says, you know the law, love God, love your neighbour. And then the teacher asks, but who is my neighbour? And in response, Jesus tells perhaps his best known parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus' parable provides us with a perfect picture of generosity. Unlike the religious leaders who pass by on the other side of the road, the Samaritan stops to care for the man, and he does so lavishly. He gives generously to the man, much more than he was expected to give, and certainly more than he was obliged to give. We recognise the beauty and goodness of generosity when we see it, but we often find it very difficult to practise. And the things that hinder us from generosity are in themselves often very good and proper priorities. In 1973, in a famous social psychology experiment, some theological college students were told that they needed to go to another campus building to deliver a talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Some of the students were told that they were running late and their audience was already waiting for them. On their way to deliver their talks, the students came upon an actor who was slumped in a thoroughfare, moaning, pretending to be in distress. Only 53% of the students who were about to give a talk about the Good Samaritan stopped to help. The variable that had the most effect on whether they stopped was how much time pressure they thought they were under to get to where they had to deliver their talk. The experiment reminds us that it's easier to talk about being a good Samaritan than to be one. Because generosity is challenging. It's difficult at the level of its details, where and when and how can and should I be generous. Those things challenge us, of course. But it's challenging at a deeper level because it challenges our hearts. I think there are a number of barriers that people have towards uh, generosity. I think one issue in our culture is that many people don't actually feel very wealthy. So life feels pressured. Um, they're obviously trying to pay their mortgage, pay their cars, care for their children, care for their families. And although in objective terms, in the light of history and in the world as it is today, actually they're remarkably wealthy. I think as a culture, many people simply don't feel wealthy. And therefore that causes them not to think that they've perhaps got much that they could um, give. So I think that's a major issue for many Christians is whether they've really grasped how wealthy they are and how blessed um, they've been. Maybe that's bound up with many with uh, worries about insecurity and whether they have enough to truly be um, uh, secure. I suppose there's the, uh, there's the perceived barriers and then there's possibly the, uh, the hidden barriers. So no one has ever come up to me and said, Tim, I'm really struggling with greed and that's why I can't be generous. Uh, I suppose that doesn't really surprise me though because uh, Jesus says, uh, be on your guard against greed. And so I think greed sort of has a tendency to creep up beside, behind us and grab us without us even realising. So I think possibly greed is actually a major barrier to generosity, but many of us aren't aware of it. 
So uh, some of the ones that people actually articulate to me are more often, well, I just can't afford it. Uh, you know, I'm a student, so I'm not earning any money, or I work part-time, or uh, I'm a new grad, or I'm paying off a mortgage, and so I just can't afford to be generous. That's my main obstacle. For all of us who've been involved in designing and writing and producing the Generosity Project, our prayer is that God's people will not only come to grasp more profoundly His incredible generosity to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospel, but that that knowledge will transform the hearts of God's people to live radically generous lives. So I think right, this, this video really sets up the reasons for us as Christians to think deeply about this. So I'm not sure the city, I think this was in uh, Australia or the UK somewhere. So they're walking around in, in the street trying to see what people think about this. The culture we live in obviously has some idea of what generosity is. Of, of it's giving people things, it's, it's helping people wherever they are with whatever you have. I mean, even like the one guy said, it's, it's Bill Gates giving lots of money to charity, right? Our idea of generosity is people who have lots of money giving it away. Not necessarily us, but the people who have a lot doing good with what they have. Someone's dad who has a heart for the homeless, right, is, is it's a sweet thing. But so what is it to, to us, right? It's a, in terms of thinking about generosity. This time of year, there's lots of opportunities to give money. Uh, we collected shoeboxes here last week. It was a chance to participate. There's the kettles and the bell ringers are out. Um, I don't know about you, this is maybe admitting more than I should, I often walk by them with somewhat of a sense of guilt. I'm not sure how much you're supposed to put in the kettle or do you put something in it every time you walk past? Do you do it when you go in and when you come out? So I don't, right, this is specific to each person in here. God doesn't tell us, here's what you're supposed to do. Right, we talk occasionally about tithe and, and that is a concept of, of the Old Testament. But God doesn't say in the New Testament, this is how much you shall give. So what do we do? How much is enough? Since you don't have as much money as Bill Gates, are you off the hook? I mean, is it just the rich guys that are supposed to do this and take care of it? And I think the point of this study, as we go through these, these three weeks, is to get back to the the truth of what God says about it. And, and what he says is what's far more important than how much you give is the heart that you give it with. And this is similar to even what Tyson talked about, about this morning, that, that Bill Gates could give lots of money. I'm just using Bill Gates because he's the, the name that come up. Um, but if he did, if he did that without the right kind of heart, God's not impressed by that. I mean, we're talking about the God who created this entire planet with a word. He doesn't need Bill Gates' money. Can he do good things? Sure, he can redeem anything. He can use that, but he doesn't need it. So we're going to reflect on, on some truths here, and, and our hope is that, that it's what God always achieves through his word, that, that as his word gets into us, that it transforms 
people to be more like his son, to be more like, as Second Corinthians says, the one who, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. One of my favorite verses about, about money and possessions is in First Chronicles. This is First Chronicles 29, so you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. But this is where David is taking the, the offering for the temple. So it's, he, he's been told that he's not going to be the one to build God's temple. It's going to be his son Solomon, but it's toward the end of his life, and he is basically putting all of the the finances in place to build this thing. Um, so the, the setup here for what I'm going to read is uh, David has already committed uh, significant monies from the national treasury, from the national treasury of Israel for this. Um, he's, he then makes another donation from his own personal wealth. And then he says, if anybody else wants to give anything, you can. And, and the Bible records it this way. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart, they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And then this is David's prayer, which is my favorite part of it. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our Lord, and praise your glorious name. And I love this part. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly, for all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. So this is the, this is the heart that God is after, the, the one that doesn't measure, that doesn't measure generosity by, by looking around, by looking around to see, oh, what's somebody else doing? What do I have to do here to get right in about the 50th percentile? I don't want to do nothing because then I feel bad. But I have lots of needs. I can't give too much. But we want hearts that as we understand who God is and what he's done for us, the, the fact that it's just it's so easy to say, right? Well, oh, God gives us everything. He's the source of everything that we have. Yeah, and, and, so, and so does is 10% the number? I don't know. That's something that has to come out of um, inside you as God works in you um, that we give from the knowledge of how good God has been, how good he promises to be. Um, so I've got one more video here. This is a, another set of pastors as they talk about just this sense of that our, gen our generosity is based in our understanding of how generous God has been to us. So if you play that one.
I don't know if you experience this as you look at those Bible passages about God as our mighty creator, but they make me realize that my view of God is too small. stunning picture that the Bible paints of this absolutely sovereign, immensely powerful, infinitely wise God who, who made all this, who made us, who made every living creature under heaven. And who also constantly sustains and provides for all of his creation, large or small, who gives us life and breath and everything else, and who generously provides so many good things for us to use and to enjoy. What an extraordinary and generous God. The Bible tells us that God is the great creator of all things. And as the creator, he is above and beyond everything and definitely above and beyond us. The Apostle Paul says, if you just look around the world, you should be able to work out there's an amazing God and he's a God of infinite power. So just, just think of the things we can see with the naked eye. You can see the stars in the sky, the, the sea, the mountains, animals, birds, fish, everything. God made it all with a word of command. He, he's a God of awesome power. But much more than that, the Bible says he's a God of infinite love. So he created everything in love. He made us human beings in his image in love. And he delights that we enjoy the good gifts that he keeps showering upon us. Everything we have is a gift of his. Uh, think of the Apostle Paul saying he himself gives us all things, breath and life and everything else. It's amazing. He gives us much more than we need. So God hasn't just made a functional world that works and that's it. It does amazingly work. But on top of that, it's wonderfully beautiful. And God delights when we enjoy the rich variety and wonder of the world that he's made. He gives us so much more than we need and so much more than we deserve. You think about it, we're just takers by nature anyway. So we take and take and take and hardly ever stop and say that little word, so easy to say, but very hard actually to say it, thank you. We're takers and God is a giver. He just keeps on giving and giving and giving. You could define generosity as kindly giving someone more than you're obliged or expected to give. Well, that's God. He gives us far more than he's obliged to give us. He's not obliged to give us anything and much more than he could ever be expected to give. I think most of us, certainly those of us who call, call ourselves Christians, we know that very well, but it's very easy to forget it and to live with the illusion of control as if somehow we're in control of our lives and the things that we get are just because of our effort. We've earned them, almost we deserve them. We take them for granted. We don't even say thank you. It's ridiculous because when we stop to think, surely we realize everything we have is a gift of God's amazing grace. He is the definition of generosity. I used to be in medical practice and uh, on the operating table, you get to see hearts beating time after time after time. And you'd be bowled over by the fact that God is the generous creator and provider uh, more than that, I thought about how uh, our tongues worked and how God had provided taste buds with sweet and sour and all kinds of different things. And 
And you realize this is a God who hasn't just provided uh, a food for us to eat that satisfies us and, and fills our bellies, but, but a God who gives us all kinds of food to delight in. And I guess when you think about a God like that, it means that you can rejoice. It means that you can rejoice every time that you take a breath in or feel your heartbeat in a God who is our creator. And more than that, um, when you taste a good food, you can be thankful that God is our generous creator and provider. And more than just rejoicing, we can rest too. It's easy to, to struggle to be content with what we've got. And yet, even though we may not have everything that we want, if God is the generous creator and provider, then we can be content that this is a God who will give us what we need and who knows what's best for us. And we can also rest in the way that we think about the future. It's easy, again, to be worried about the future, not knowing what tomorrow will bring. And it's great to be able to know that we have a God who is this generous creator and provider. And so he will provide what we need. And so it, it releases some of the worry that we can feel. And more than that, uh, as well as resting and rejoicing, we can release the resources that he's given us for the good of others. Understanding how generous God has been to me in creation helps me to become a more generous person because now I can operate out of faith rather than fear. Uh, I don't have to be anxious and fearful about what might happen in the future. Instead, I can have faith trusting that the same God who so generously provided for me and us in creation will continue to provide for me all of my needs into the future, right into eternity. And so I think that has multiple implications, um, and one of which would be in regards to our money. And so uh, generosity is, is a funny word in church circles. It's often the word that we use when we actually are trying to talk about money. So let's talk about generosity. Um, but it has implications for our, for our generosity because generosity, it's about more than money, uh, but it's not about less than money. And so money is really a liquid form of good, God's good and generous gift to us in creation. And so uh, with it, it gives me an opportunity to uh, obtain, to use and to enjoy um, other good gifts of a generous God, uh, both for myself and I can use it to obtain it and give that to others. And so there's lots of things that we could say about money. Um, but I suppose probably the most important thing to say is that money in and of itself is actually a really good gift of a generous God to his people. And so it's not bad in and of itself uh, any more than things like sex or marriage or steak or anything like that are bad. Um, actually, in the hands of someone who understands just how generous God has been to us in creation, money itself is not only a good gift, it also gives the one who has it great potential to do good for others. So just a couple of thoughts from that video that I want to talk about, and then, and then we'll move on a little bit. Uh, I really, just during this Thanksgiving season, uh, I, have, I have been thinking, I just, I love this, the, the sense of thankfulness that comes from just realizing how good uh, God has been to us, even in creating the world the way it works. And that guy makes the comment about, um, about tasting food. I like food. 
say it takes a lot of calories to you know, make something that looks like this. Um, but right, God, God could have, and you think about creating a world, right? God could have made food to be some kind of a, a brown tic-tac pellet or something, just some sort of, of thing that keeps your body going and keeps your body moving to do the things that he wanted you to do. But we have a God who gave us not just the, the ability um, to taste all sorts of flavors and all sorts of foods, and then he goes about and makes all sorts of things that are good for us to eat. That's a, that's a grace of God that it's easy to overlook because it's always been that way. I mean, I've never known it to be any other way since I've been alive, but it's just not something that God had to do. It's something out of his creativity that he made, and it's his intention that we enjoy those good gifts. And as we look through the scripture, there's never a point where God instructs us. Now, if you have really good food, you should feel really bad about that because there's lots of people who don't. You should feel really guilty, and that should motivate you to do something else. God never says that. He says, as that, that reference said, I've given you all things to enjoy richly. Enjoy it. This is, I, I've made you in a way that you can appreciate it, and I want you to. And then from the, the transformation of the Spirit, from the overflow of your thanksgiving, I have given you much so then you can share with other people. And then I love that line where he says that generosity is about more than money, but it's not about less than money. So I will admit, it makes me feel a little bit self-conscious to stand up here in December and talk about generosity, right? I I can sense the... Here we go, stewardship guy standing up in front of church, coming into the end of the year. He's going to try and make me feel bad and twist my arm and tell me all the reasons that I should make a big year-end gift. I get it. And I just, I really don't want it to be that way. Um, as, as we talk in stewardship, um, I, it's so much bigger than that. I just, I love, I love the way he, he says that, that it's, it's generosity in your life is a way bigger deal than whatever you decide to give um, this December, right? God will provide for this church. He has promised he will do it. He's going to use his people to do it. I'm not concerned about that at all. But as we sit in here individually and think about the way generosity moves through our life, it's, it's so much bigger than that, than, than the line on your giving statement. I mean, we're talking about your time. We're talking about all of the resources that God had, has placed in each of your lives. And, and I know a lot of you, and God's given you lots of resources. It's not always just cash, um, but you have abilities and you have hospitality and you have lots of things for you to share. So we're talking about the sovereign God of the universe who has created everything. He's placed you and me here, this time, in this place, right, in this country, in this county, in this time in history, over the last, could have been, you could have been born any time over the last uh, thousands of years. And he sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins so we could have the free gift of salvation. And he gave his word so we could know what kind of God he is. And then he says things 
in his word like, from 2 Corinthians, um, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, if this book is true, and I believe it is, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So having all sufficiency in all things at all times, there's no maybe, there's no, it's a little risky for you to get out there and be generous with what you have because it may not come back. This is a promise from the God of the universe that there is joy in it for you to share the things that he already gave you. And then for the slow learners like me, there's an even simpler version. Uh, in Acts, Paul speaking, he says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who are with me. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. I just, sometimes I have to sit back a little bit and think, do you actually believe it? Do we actually believe that? That, there's, that there is more blessing? And where does that come from? I mean, that comes from God, right? This, he's not talking about blessing coming from something that I'm gonna do for you or something that Newcastle's gonna do for you. This is, this is blessing that comes from God. It is more blessed to give than receive. And so that's, it's just a point as we think about it. Um, I'm going to, uh, Chris is home with a sick child today, so we've been texting back and forth. And he, uh, this morning, before I came up here, he sent me a text and he said, one last word of advice. Don't be tacky. And so, so I don't want to, that's, I'm, I'm trying to not, right? This is not about trying to mine money out of you. It's not. There is, if, if you're feeling a sense of, of guilt that I'm, I'm missing the point, that's not, that's not what I'm after. It's, God intends for the money part of your life, even though we don't talk about it a lot in church, like that guy said, generosity is what we say when we want to talk about, about money, but it's so much bigger than that because it's about how we experience God in our lives. The, the anxiety that comes from, will I have enough? From, I, I really feel like I should give something. I really feel like I should um, volunteer my time here. I feel like I, should, like I should be doing more, but I just don't hardly have enough. Right? The answer isn't grit your teeth and give it because God will be happy with you. The answer is go talk to him about it. Get to know who this God is. Get to experience the relationship that he desires to have with you. And what will come out of it is both generosity and the joy that comes with it. When we truly see God's provision for us, we can spend our lives for himself and the gospel. 
And that's, that's generosity. About more than money, but not less. So all this makes good sense, right? I mean, we think about how good and generous God is, that everything we have, even, even in our lives, somehow comes from God. And so it makes sense that we would respond with trust and contentment and open-hearted generosity. Sadly, uh, this is a line from the book, we are, we are more often like a scene from the TV show, The Simpsons. When Bart is asked to, to say grace, he says, Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Amen. And we kind of, like, oh boy, that's, you recoil from that uh, a little bit. We'd never say it out loud. Um, but I think sometimes we're pretty impressed with our ability to put together what we got put together. And and so let's just take a minute and think why that is, right? As, as we go through that first, and I loved some of the, the pictures from that first video about just the things that God created and that little uh, puffin, that little penguin that came out, the, the variety and the amazing things that God has made in this world. Um, so where, where does this thing come from inside us that, like, man, I worked hard. Like, this is, I can't just give this away. I can't just this life I'm making here, I can't, just, I can't just let it go. I worked hard for this. So there's a, there's a story in the book, and we don't have, a, we don't have time to go through the video, but um, a true story about a, a businessman from the UK, and his story reads much like the account in Luke 12 about the rich fool. You remember that, the, the rich fool, and, and he, his ground produced plentifully, and then he said, what should I do? I'll tear down my barns and, and build bigger ones. So this is a, a true story about this guy. He worked hard in the UK, built up a significant amount of, of wealth, uh, poisoned his relationships, ended up consuming his life as, as often happens. And it's a story of this universal impulse, right? Because we are, because we are humans, redeemed ones, but we are humans this impulse to take and take and take, to, 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 uh, to look for security uh, in the things uh, that we have. And it's, it's, a, it's a corruption of a good desire. I mean, we already talked about the fact that God, God has made us as people who have desires, who recognize good things, who can see these things are good to eat, these things are not. I enjoy these um, eating these things, I can enjoy relationships with people. We're people who are made to see, to desire things, and to enjoy them with thanksgiving. So the desire of itself isn't bad, but our tendency is to love the gift and forget the giver, and that's where desire turns into um, something sinful. The book has a good line about this, that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. It's not the stuff, it's not the money, it's not the job, it's not, the, it's not any of those things. It's, it starts inside us. Our heart tends to bend inward, tempted to find protection and security in things rather than in the promises of God. And this problem, this problem isn't new. I mean, so all the way back in the Old Testament, I won't re read the whole section, but back in Deuteronomy, we see God talking to the Israelites, using, using Moses to speak to them. 
saying, take care, lest you forget the Lord by not keeping his commandments, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, goes on to talk about it. So already back then, right, people thousands of of years ago, it's a human tendency, and that part of us hasn't changed, hasn't changed since then. Then in the New Testament, Ephesians decides, describes the same state of heart hundreds, years, hundreds of years later in the Gentiles. Uh, Ephesians 2 says, and you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that is now at work in the sins of disobedience, right? Where people with a tendency, we were made to enjoy God's gift and we have a tendency to enjoy it and keep it, to, to want to keep more of it here. And so we need some hope here. The historical track record of how men, uh, fallen humans have responded to a generous God isn't very good. But I love the fact that right in this next set of verses is the good news. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us, in Jesus Christ. So we've been set free. We've been set free from the prison of our own self-centeredness, all the destructive consequences of that. The, the generous grace of God liberates us to be different people, people of lavish generosity, um, instead of imprisoned, imprisoned by the greed that says the only way I can be secure is by whatever the the walls of money I can build uh, around myself. And so God's, God's grace even reaches into that story that I mentioned. So the, this business for men from the UK um, was, was building really, really significant wealth in, in real estate, and he ran into the, the real estate crash in 2008. And so almost overnight, uh, lost all of his possessions, uh, his kid, got sick, ended up in the hospital. I think he was in a, in a coma. So this is a man who, uh, who had been trusting in the, the wealth of the world for his, for his security. It was all he needed. Uh, he, he, made a, he made a comment in, in the story about how he, he really lost most of his friends because um, they were actually good people who weren't particularly interested in his single focus on, on making money and, and raising wealth. So he didn't have a lot of friends. And while this child is in the hospital, uh, one, of the, one of the nurses there was uh, a lady of faith, was a, a Christian woman, and he could not understand it. He could not understand how this woman with, with no uh, financial interest in him could care so deeply uh, about his child. And she prayed and prayed for his child. And so through the example of this, of this praying woman, the businessman saw a kind of love he'd never seen. 
I thought the line was really interested, interesting. He said, he said to his wife, we need to thank that woman, but I don't want to go to her home. I want to go to her church because there's something about that that I need to, that I need to see. So he ended up in church. Uh, God found him there and, and saved him. So this is the, 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 this first section as, as Chris and I are bundling them up is called generosity defined. And that's, so we kind of covered a lot of ground here as we think about, about what generosity is and we think about it in the, in the light of, of how much God has given us. And we start with God as the creator and the sustainer of everything. He's the... He's the provider of all good gifts. He gives them without, without condition, without uh, any kind of guilt. They're given to us to enjoy. And then ending with uh, God as Savior. He's the provider of even the redemption through his son, generous in the grace that we could never earn, uh, that, allows us, that allows us even to enjoy his, his good gifts. He tells us that your, your home in, in heaven is secure. Um, we, already know, we already know that life is short. It's easy for us to forget that too, but we already know that. And so he puts us in a place where, where with eternity secured and his provision for us um, guaranteed here, by a God with the power to be the creator so that we can really enjoy what he has. So that's the, I think the place that, that I want to start with it. Uh, Chris is going to talk next week about what this uh, liberated, generous life looks like. So I don't have a lot of specifics here to talk about this one. But I hope that, that as, we, as we sat and thought about it, that God, is, that God is preparing our hearts. I love that this comes right after the, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a chance to take some time to think about in, in all of, I tell my kids this all the time. I mean, when you think about this, the, the place that we find ourselves the country that we live in, the time that we live in, the, are, there things, are there things that are challenging about the world? Certainly there are. We live in a world that without Christ has no hope and they are pursuing, they are pursuing that as fast as they can pursue it. But God has been amazingly, amazingly good to us and, and he's given us those resources not so that we could uh, spend them on ourselves, that we could consume them all uh, for ourselves. I think the, the message to the, to the Israelites is a good one. I realize it's, a, it's an Old Testament passage, but, but the God is the same God, as he says. I've chosen you, and I've chosen you for a purpose, and, and I'm, I'm going to continue to be generous to you, but the purpose of it is to go through you. The purpose is not to stop here, right? We are trophies. Um, we are trophies of grace, but not stores of, of his goodness that we're supposed to hold it all um, to ourselves.
So hopefully gives you something to think about as we move on into these uh, next two weeks, thinking about God as the creator and the sustainer, about our tendency to, to let that grace curve inward and so we, to be thinking about ways um, that, we can be, that we can be pointing it back out, uh, that grace that we've received from him. Father, we're grateful that you speak to us that you would look down on, on a people like us, made from dust and returning to it, yet you've set your love on us. You have loved us not because of who we are, um, but because you have chosen to. And I pray, that, Father, you'd help us today to, to let that really sink in, to let the security of that um, be the bedrock of who we are, our identity, the fact that, that you have loved us, that we could love other people. You've chosen to do your work in this world through us. Blows my mind sometimes to think that, that of all of the ways that you could get things done, that you've chosen me to do it. So Father, Father I pray that you'd give us wisdom, Give us courage as we think about generosity, as we think about the way that you have blessed our lives, as we think about the, uh, the potential around us to share it. We're all, again, in different places. Uh, you've given us different ways to affect this world for your glory, and you've given us all different resources to do it with. So I pray you'd move in, move in our hearts, uh, make us a people uh, who are generous like you are, that it would resound to your uh, everlasting glory. So thanks for being with us today. I pray that you dismiss us with your blessing. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>